This isn't a pyramid scheme, we swear. Oh. Um, because if it is, we're really doing poorly at that. <laughs> this is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Welcome to another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Welcome. Last time we talked about narratives and as we were preparing for this episode, we decided that um, something that might be helpful and useful to our myriad listeners, you know, we, we usually give anecdotes about sort of how we're, how these things apply to what we're doing because that's what we're working from here. Um, but we don't really give you full snapshots or, or actually full panoramas of what our practices are really like. We are like, oh, I did this one thing and then I I use I applied that thing and then it all worked out. It was great. Or uh, you know I moved on to the next thing or whatever. And so there are all these one offs. But the reality is, is a creative practice is generally pretty messy. And I think we got at it a little bit when we talked about uh, the the upward spiraling, right? Which is always better than downward spiraling. <laughs> exactly. And there is some of that. <laughs> but yeah, the idea that you you know you fail better, you fail upward, you are always constantly having to circle back to things. And ideally, as you do this over and over again, because it's a practice, you're, you're rising to whatever it is, you know, whether it's mastery or, or whatever your goals are, hopefully. Hopefully they're all intrinsic for you. But anyway. <laughs> so we be were, rich and famous. That's my goal. How do you know? That's <laughs> my, my intrinsic goal is to be rich. I think and, that's what we talked about. The why is... To be rich and famous is what? That's right. Judging yeah. by the uh, truckloads of money that have been pulling up to our door, <laughs> it's working. So <laughs> Abundance <right>. is ours. <laughs> um, the police are also showing up at our door, so I'm not sure what that's all about. And there's a van parked across the street a lot yeah, lately. Yeah, like a little antenna on top. <laughs> this isn't a pyramid scheme, we swear. Um, because if it is, we're really doing poorly at that. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, we were talking, and uh, this past week, both of us, and maybe even a little longer than this past week, but both of us have been sort of working through what I would call—I don't want to say crux, but they are—they are. They're like these crux issues to get not only past them, but to examine them and figure out how to keep them from stalling us out, mm-hmm. or from from us creating those narratives of. Um, Ah, uh, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. Whatever, any of that kind of stuff, and uh, and it was kind of cool. We were, as we were talking about just the struggles that we've been having in a very artistic sense, not like life struggles. So we recognize that, but just that how it's like, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, there's this thing. Oh, that relates to that episode, and it was just kind of cool. And we thought maybe a, a little glimpse into that through our experience might be useful for some folks, um, and it's definitely useful for us. So thank you guys for yes. listening and letting us process our lives through this. Anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about that ever again. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to, you had been taking, t- tell me about your classes that you've been taking or tell the listeners about your classes that you've been taking. So long ago, before we uh, started doing this conscious spending plan, oh, yeah. I uh, kind of on a whim, I bought this, I paid for this workshop that was happening a couple of weeks ago. And 
It was the best whim purchase I could have made because I didn't do a lot of research about it. I just had heard of one of the artists, so I was interested. And it turned out to be this month-long process of meeting a couple of hours a day, three days a week on the weekends, and then you had assignments to do during the week. And it really opened something up for me that uh, I didn't quite realize was closed. Oh, that's cool. So what was it? I am an overthinker. We've talked about this before. And I tend to get in, and, and this is where the narratives really tie in. You know, I get into these little, no, I get notions. I get notions. I think that's the way my, um, my mom would have put it back in the day. Hi, like, yeah, I am. It's that I'm supposed to be a certain way, or if I'm, uh, or a real artist would be this way. We yeah. talked about that in an episode. And so in this experience, I just opened myself, allowed myself to be a beginner and decided that it was for the learning and for the fun and not to prove anything to anybody or even myself. And some of the, the exercises were very challenging. And I found that if I had not had the accountability of posting, because we were supposed to post our work and then get comments, and if I hadn't had that accountability, I would have quit Yeah, on several multiple <laughs> yeah. of, of, the, right. of the exercises. And so I got through it. You know, I pulled my hair out at certain times and I doubted everything, but I pushed through that uncertainty because I've been getting more comfortable with uncertainty over yeah. the past couple of years, especially with COVID. And so uh, anyway, I pushed through that and I got to the other side of something. And I think it was that sticking with something that was really uncomfortable and that was making my ego scream like, what are you even, who do you even think you are? Normally, I would have, you know, I would have shut down and and avoided and gone back to the safe shore of what I was already doing. And I didn't. I I swam for it, you know? Yeah, it was really cool. You were working on the self-portrait piece, and uh, <laughs> I came in like, hey, how's it going in there? And you're like, eh, I couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> I came in, your head was down on the table because <laughs> you, you, you were the very hard part of it. It was a dark freaking period. But, <laughs> but it was really cool because... I think those are the achievements that are most appreciated as the ones that's like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. And it was a nice little microcosm of everything we talk about on the show. It's like, well, you know, the practice is important. So you keep at it. You, you, we talked about the idea, right, of not being, I'm not good at this right away, so I must just suck. And it's yes. like, well, no, you've just never done this before. <laughs> and it was cool. The other thing I think that was really cool about it was to A, see the progress, but B, there were a lot of things from your experience as an artist that you were able to bring to bear to that particular exercise and that showed through in the exercise, but it was also this wholly different thing than your normal type of artwork. And I was just, oh man, I I got so jazzed watching it kind of all unfold and I can only imagine how it must've been for you. Yeah. And it was very helpful actually to have somebody just like reminding me, hey, you know, try to, try to have fun with it, you know, just, I guess it just sort of taught me to, or I can't say it taught me because um, 
you know, here's a narrative. I'll, I'll go back <laughs> now that I'm not in the workshop anymore. I'll, I'll probably go back to my old ways. But, you know, like it's it's really a, I don't know, but it feels like a, a permanent shift of, of some kind to change that narrative of I want to be good at it and I don't want to I don't want to push through sucking at something. But the fact is, I do want to because I actually enjoyed the process as much as I was sucking and I was questioning. Yeah. I was also the most engaged and the most curious and kind of determined in a weird kind of way than I have been in the studio in a while. Well, and I, yeah, 100%. And I think it, it kind of taps into that whole creativity being problem solving. It was this this problem to solve, not like the like it's a problem, but you know, like a math problem. It's like I don't understand this, but I'm going to work through it, figure it out. I think that it was cool too because it kind of I think some of the after effect of that is that you we had this conversation on the living room floor. I was supposed to go out and power wash <laughs> the deck, and I didn't want to, so I was happy to avoid. And I was laying on the floor with the cat, and uh, we just started talking about it, and just. That idea of creating from a place of, of joy for yourself and not all these expectations, these narratives. We, so this ties back into the narratives. You had these narratives that you had in your head about what people expect of your art because of what you've created before. Um, you had this idea that if you didn't do this, you know, then, you, oh, suddenly I don't have any pieces that are going to sell. By putting yourself out of your comfort zone, it kind of exposed all these other things at the same time, and then we, we talked about it at pretty good length, and it'll be interesting to see how things transpire. But this, this whole week, you've been down here creating for yourself, I think. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what you've been doing in there. I... <laughs> but you, and without have... worrying, like going, hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Exactly. You know? And in fact, uh, you suggested that I work on something without sharing it, without showing anybody. And I think about how. I immediately, when I make something, I immediately share it either on Instagram or with my art friends that we text a lot or with you. And so this week I've been very conscious about, nope, this is for me, this this new idea that I'm kind of messing around with. And it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, but it's, again, I've been super engaged and interested and excited. And I really think, you know, a voice came to me and I, I really believe this it sounds like something my mom would say. So <laughs> I believe my deceased mother reached out this, this uh, week and said, what's your hurry? Mm, yeah. And I realized that I'm so interested in this concept of making product really quickly to show. And, and I, don't, I don't know what that is. I mean, I, I shouldn't probably be working out my psychological underpinnings well, here on the, uh, the podcast, but there's something, there's I, something there. I think, it's, <laughs> I, I think it's very relevant because as a commercial artist, right, you're someone yeah. who's selling your stuff and you have this, like, well, I, I need to continue to make product. And then there's the performative aspect that we talked about as far as like, well, I post this on Instagram and there's this fear that if you stop posting that you're going to become irrelevant. So there's, a, there's probably some ego in there. Yeah. And uh, we, we love feedback and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But what we fell on was the idea that that had become sort of the focus of some of what you had been doing more recently because, face it, I mean, Instagram's a marketing tool. So, of course, if you're out there, there more people can see your work. And it, and it has worked. 
But it's this idea that then that just becomes your pinpoint focus because it felt really good to, hey, I made a sale based on somebody mm. seeing my stuff on Instagram and I want to recreate that feeling again. But the funny thing is, is that you can almost, well, you can, you can recreate that feeling in the studio just by creating, you know, I mean, of course, money does have so, supposedly the same dopamine right. drip that cocaine does, but <laughs> uh -oh. I, maybe creativity does too. I don't know. Prob yeah. Probably. Anyway, so I thought that was really cool. It was, it was kind of like a nice doorway. And because you were open to the possibility of kind of recentering, rethinking about how, where you wanted to create from and what you wanted to create. Because we also talked about one of the exercises was the, the muted tones. Oh. And I don't, you can explain it obviously a lot better than I can. Um, but you want to tell, tell about, a little bit about that because then I want to talk about, again, another narrative of yours uh, as far as the, uh, the color narrative. Right. Yeah. So we were, uh, one of the exercises was talking about value and bringing down everything to a, a very similar value structure, meaning darks and lights. And, and it's, it's a different way than I work. And often over the years, I have wanted to kind of, I, I'm very drawn to off-white and, um, and even black and white and just soft, neutral earth tone, but yes. kind of whited out earth tone, you know, like, I yeah. mean, just anyway, tans and beiges and stuff like that. I mean, I'm attracted to that. And yet every time I would start to kind of go down that road with my art, I would uh, honestly think, well, everybody expects me to do teal because I do love the color teal and, and everyone knows my work for that. But I would think unconsciously, I think, and consciously, I'm the color person. Yeah. So I'm supposed to be doing colorful work. You can't go veering off into these <laughs> neutrals. But I allowed myself to do it for the exercises and loved it. And so now after our conversation is sort of like, okay, well, you don't have to do only that. You know, I mean, like you can still explore that if it's something that yeah. makes you feel a little, and I use the word giddy all the time, but like if it gives you that little thrill, follow it. 100%. And, you know, we were talking, there's this little scene in our house. It's just, a, it's a hallway and it's pretty neutral and we have a cat and, but we, we started talking about, well, what, what do you want to paint? Because we were talking about abstracts, right? And that's something you've been doing for a while now. But you also, there are figurative things that you like to do. And it's, and it, it's kind of like narratives, right? It's like narratives, we kind of apply them broadly and all the time when in fact they're just like a little glimpse into a certain point in time that a thing happened or multiple times, but it's still a point in time. And then we apply it broadly. And that's kind of what same with the, the, your creative pursuits. It's like, well, you can do whatever you want. You, you can do whatever you want. And if you start basing what you're creating on what you think people want, that's usually a sure way to suck the joy out of the yes. process, right? Yeah. Just fascinating. Really cool stuff. Yeah. And I had a lot of narratives around when, when I talk about doing work, you know, uh, drawing of things, you know, there are certain things I'm comfortable with. But other things is like, well, I don't really know how to draw that. So you can't do that if you don't do it perfectly or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that was one of the reasons you took this too, is because 
as long as I've known you, I mean, you enjoy drawing faces and stuff like that, but you feel like, well, I'm not that good at it. Right. And, and you, it, one of the reasons that you feel that way probably is because you don't practice it all the time. Um, but when you do really dig in, I mean, the stuff that you've created, at least to my, to my untrained eye, <laughs> is really, it's awesome, you know? And uh, it's funny because we always like, well, my stuff doesn't look like their stuff. And right. Like, well, who cares? Yeah. You know? I know. My stuff looks like my stuff. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I just think that you took a step to do something that was scary and you, because you were open to it, and then because we have the good fortune of being able to kind of process this stuff verbally, which, you know, kind of helps. I love talking with you about art because it's not my art, you mm -hmm. know, and so it's easier for me to kind of maybe take a step back and maybe see things a little more objectively. But these conversations really help me with my stuff, too, because it gets me thinking about it. It's like, yeah, you know, well, we're not just creating a podcast to spew things out there that we don't do, you know, the goal is to practice what we're talking about. And, and that gets back to sort of the messiness of it. It's like, oh man, you'd think after 12 years, right. I'd have my shit together <laughs> exactly. and, and wouldn't have to do this every two months yeah. or three months or whatever. But the reality is, is that, that you, do. you do. And it, it can be fun if you. <laughs> man, every time I do some kind of work like that and recenter, I feel so good compared mm -hmm. to that sort of uncertainty of like, well, I don't, I don't know where to go with this. I don't know what to do. Um, and, and my, my thing this week has been, <laughs> so I shipped off most of my novel to, for a critique. I have a couple of colleagues, I guess. I never know what the right words, but yeah. fe fellow writers who are, have agreed to, to critique, we're all doing it for each other. And, uh, but anyway, it was my turn and I, I was going to do it in April originally, and I wasn't anywhere close to there, but I got it really close. So I shipped off everything but the last like four chapters or so, because the end, I've been putting off working on the end for three years. You know, I wrote the original draft, and then I just kept fine tuning the first and second parts and just kind of like, well, I need to kind of get all this set up before I can know how this is going to work. And so here I am. Yeah. It's like, oh, crap, I got to figure this out. And I'm just down here in the, the office and trying to write through it and just continually putting it off like, well, I need to look this up. I need to research that because I don't understand how it works. <laughs> and finally, and it literally last night, I, I was like, well, just put on your internet blocker. And mm. so I did that, put on some, some music. In this case, I'm, I'm writing to a little glitch mob uh, mix on Spotify Ooh. that uh, it just lends itself to the nature of this novel. Uh, it's carried me through a good bit. But anyway, I had that going. And I just started going, okay, well, write what you think it would feel like rather than worrying about the mechanics. Like, get the feeling down and worry about that. And then the mechanics, there's always something you can come back in and figure out as far as, you know, there's some technical stuff and it's a science fiction uh, novel. And, and it, you know, I wrote for like over an hour and, and, and it was awesome. And it just, you know, it felt good because I was getting it. Because when, when I read, and hopefully this is true for our people who read fiction as well, you know, it's these emotions that you, you create these emotions when you read. And so the hope is, is that because I was actually feeling it rather than kind of routinely just like, okay, I got to go from here to here to here. And this is how this works. Um, hopefully that comes through. Yeah. I don't know. But so it was. Uh, people will feel it. Yeah. yeah. And it was cool. There was a. Uh, I love how all this stuff kind of comes together. You know, we've got Austin Cleon in his newsletter. One of his posts this past week was about Goosebumps. 
Yeah. And following that, essentially, I don't, I don't have any of the in front of me, but uh, it was kind of like, yep, there that is. And then uh, Nathan Bransford, he was a, uh, a former literary agent who's an author and he still keeps his blog going. And he was talking about exactly what I was just going through. He's like, yeah, you know, it's, he's like, I, I had it all mapped out and I wrote and, you know, it was kind of a slog because I knew it's kind of like, okay, there's that hill over there. We got to get there. And then you just kind of one step at a time, get there, but you're not really enjoying the journey because all you're focused on is the hill. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, you know, when I got done, it was, it was fine, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't like, he wasn't excited about that. And, you know, of course the old axiom is if you're, you're not excited about it, why would you expect anyone else to be? But it just, yeah, just trying to kind of reframe and figure out like, well, right. The reason I'm writing ultimately isn't to impress people who have knowledge of telecommunications. <laughs> it's to just create a really fun story, an interesting story that carries people along and, you know, that's always the struggle for me when I'm writing is sometimes you get bogged down in that stuff. And when you're just drafting, you can, you're as free as you can ever be when you're writing because you can just kind of let it all go. And, um, once, once I can hit that point, it, it always feels a lot better and, and gratifying. So. And which really reminds me of the whole idea of, of focusing on the process, like not in an intellectual way, but I realized that that's what I was in when I was really feeling engaged, I was, I won't lie, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't thinking about the, the final product because I had to turn it in. Sure, sure. But overall, I was focused on the feeling. And so what I've been trying to do this last week is focus on the feel. I want to paint a cat this week. So yeah. I'm painting lots of pictures of our cat Harriet that we used to have back in the day. And oh, I, I, I know. So the feeling is warm and fuzzy and, you know. No matter, and it's so easy to say, don't worry about the product, but honestly, in my hurry to get a product, I realized I had sacrificed feeling because my ego wanted this good product to show people. But what your creative soul wants is your time and your, yeah. your engagement. I hear you. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and that also ties into narratives too. One thing we were talking about after doing the last two narrative episodes was that narratives are based on words generally, right? Narratives are just a story. And because we were kind of like, well, it'd be nice to develop positive narratives. And we kind of landed on the idea that, well, yes, those are sort of affirmations and things along those lines. But really what it maybe is a better focus is that on the feeling. Focusing on the, the better feeling thought or the things that you know kind of get you jazzed is always going to trump those narratives. And if you can focus on that more, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I know what it feels like when I'm in the zone writing and I'm just, you know, just loving it. Um, or same with painting, I assume, right? You know, you're in there and it's just like, ah, oh, look at that color coming out. Look at my brush strokes. I can see the thing in my head materializing on the canvas. And it's just, it's glorious. And so thinking about it that way, I think is super handy because we all have moments that we can remember that are that feeling. And so it's like, oh, right. I've felt this before. I know I can feel it again because all I have to do is really just sit down and get to work and, you know, minimize distractions and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and, and what you'll do every time you do that, you disprove those narratives too, which is 
pretty handy, I think. Yeah, and so there's your there's your look a day inside. In the life. A day in the life, the messy as the creative turns. <laughs> the old and the creative. And the cool Older. thing is just like soap operas, your creative <laughs> practice, like you can step back into it two years from now or two years before now. And if you've been doing it, it'll be it'll seem the same. But maybe, you know, there things will be a little different instead yeah. of Burke being pregnant with Tad's baby, <laughs> then, you know, maybe Monica will be killing Geraldine. Oh. I <laughs> trying to dredge up all no. the soap opera names I can think of. No, when the uh <laughs> when Cruise. the guy posed as a a plastic no, he made somebody perform plastic surgery on and he wrote killer on his forehead. <laughs> That's genius. Man. You can learn probably learn a lot from soap oh operas, my gosh, right? Yeah. But it's cool. I, I don't know. I think just this idea of uh, you know, it it's messy. Just like the actual creative process is messy, right? You don't go like, oh, I'm going to create this song and now I've done it and it's done. It's like you have to go back, you have to futz, you have to move things around, you have to try different chords. Your creative practice is messy like that too. It's like scrambling a bunch of stuff together and eventually you kind of move away the stuff that isn't working and, and you focus on the stuff that does and you continue forward and you have to do it again and again. I, I think too, like baking is a good metaphor, especially or... Maybe cooking is a better metaphor. Like if you're cooking an entree and you don't follow recipes, like sometimes it's like, oh, this tastes a little different than last time. What did I do differently? I don't know. I put the salt in, I put the this. And then you're like, oh, maybe I put too much, you know, just just trying to figure it out as you go because you're always trying to recapture the time you made it awesome. Yeah. It's like, it just doesn't taste the same. And then maybe it just turns out you've been cooking the same damn thing every night for a year. Don't even talk about dinner. <laughs> we're we're going to start another podcast it's called What's for Dinner, yeah. where we invite chefs to cook for us every night and tell you about it. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> so that, and okay. as we all know, that's part of the messy creative practice too, is trying to figure out how to do it all around all the things we need to do to keep breathing. So Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope there's something of value in here for you and uh, hopefully not too much navel gazing. Yeah. Happy creating. Get in there and go for the feels. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time on the Creative Double Shot. See ya. Mm-hmm.